without being asked, without being told, without filming it, they show up and make a difference. Who, you may well ask, the underpaid vet tech at the shelter who buys medications out of her own pocket to save animals that would otherwise be euthanized because the shelter has no funds for medications. The woman who feeds feral cats behind a local store, the senior couple on fixed income that still find ways to rescue animals on the euthanasia list at the local shelter. These are the unseen heroes and they are who Lauren identifies with and draws inspiration when things seem overwhelming. Lauren Greenwood is a founder of Ask Mr. Frisky Org, a 501c3 nonprofit with 100% volunteer run. They run an animal rescue in southern New Jersey. Even as a child, Lauren was always helping strays and neglected or abused animals. As an adult, she began volunteering at animal shelters and rescues before starting Ask Mr. Frisky. The organization primarily focuses on special needs cats and dogs, hospice cases, elderly, high medical needs, neglected, abused, or given up on by the people they depended on to care for them. In addition to running the organization, Lauren also advises pet parents, rescuers, and shelters on animal care, volunteering, and volunteer programs. She has also spoken on the radio and at schools and civic fairs on how to care for pets and what to do if you find an animal in need. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I can see you're a very compassionate human being. And you've been like this since childhood. Yes, we always had a rescue animal. Um, I think our first rescue cat was Jimmy, a big orange and white cat. But there were always stray dogs or stray cats we were taking in. So at, at that time, there was no, we were in a very rural area and there was no shelter around. So we kind of became like the local shelter. <laughs> okay. And how many cats do you have currently and how many dogs? Um, right now, there is only one dog. We're more of a cat rescue, but we always have one to two dogs. Um, right now, we have one uh, dog and we have about 18 cats. And uh, the uh, we did have two dogs. The other dog passed away at the age of 19 and a half, just, you know, pure old age. And the current dog has so uh, many medical needs, um, you know, from cancer treatment to heart conditions to thyroid to blindness that... Uh, we, we just, until we get more volunteers and foster parents, we don't have the ability to take in more dogs. Um, uh, wow, you've got your hands full. I do. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, we are 100% volunteer and we did relocate the org from Texas to New Jersey last May. Uh, and we did so because we had the opportunity to get six acres of land where we can really expand the org in the future. Um, but it also put us in a position where, of course, we lost the local volunteers and foster parents right. we had, and right. we're we're still trying to rebuild that. So, yeah, right now it is it is tough. Well, uh, with the online volunteering, you can definitely reach out to Chizuba, but uh, for yes. physical volunteering, of course, we can help spread the word. And we do have virtual opportunities. Uh, oh, for do. example, yeah, for example, we need people to reach out to local uh, grocery stores and national chain grocery stores about donating food they're not going to sell, maybe because the can is oh. dented or the bag has a slight 
you know, blemish to it, uh, to our pet food bank that services homeless pet parents and mm-hmm. pet parents that can't afford to feed their pet and would otherwise have to surrender the pet to a shelter. Mm-hmm. All right. So you can definitely reach out to Jezuba on our website. Great. Um, so tell us what kind of cats and dogs uh, do you have as an intake and what is the process for providing care to special needs like you have mentioned in your website? Yes, we do tend to focus on uh, what are often referred to as the unadoptables. So when shelters intake, municipal shelters are required under their charter from the municipality, whether that be the the city, the county, um, to intake every animal regardless of space, regardless of staff to care for them. And this results in euthanasia, obviously. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they make a a call, a judgment call on who is most adoptable and who is least adoptable if a foster can't take them gets euthanized. And least adoptables are ones that are elderly, that have a medical problem, maybe they're diabetic or hyperthyroid or blind. Um, Maybe they have a behavior problem. Um, I know uh, two dogs uh, we took home, this was uh, probably a decade ago, to the rescue were on the euthanasia list for 7 p.m. that night. And I, so I took them. And the reason they were on the euthanasia list is they had been adopted and returned three times. uh, And the shelter had deemed them unadoptable due to being over 10 and that they could not be potty trained. And uh, we had them potty trained in less than two weeks. So (laughs) they also, of course, came to us with, many other problems, you know, uh, untreated leg fracture, uh, dental issues, um, systemic infections. So, um, you know, it, one of the, the biggest uh, problems we have, I guess you could call a problem, um, I would say uh, one of the things that can feel overwhelming is our veterinary bills can some years be as much as fifteen dollars to $20,000. And so uh, we often unfortunately fall short on fundraising to cover that. So I take that out of my own uh, paychecks for my full-time job, but I also work in addition to doing this uh, to cover that because I think it's important to give these animals a chance in every single case, you know, whether it was Rajakad who had breast cancer or Paxton and Mimi, whom I just described, or um, Jewel and Duchess who were hyperthyroid and both over 15 You know, in every case, when we took them into the rescue, whether to be adopted or as a hospice case, it was so wonderful to watch them blossom under love and care. You know, at the shelters, they were maybe um, aggressive or they were just simply frightened and hiding in their cage, hunched. You know, they'll take a physical stance of being hunched down um, because they're in pain, because they're scared. And Sometimes it takes them a few days. Sometimes it takes them a few weeks to realize they're safe. They're loved. They're cared for. And and they can be who they are. And it is just so rewarding to see them blossom like that. And, you know, it's it's funny because people say, well, what is your retirement plan? I said, well, I don't have one because I'm going to keep doing this forever. And besides, I've spent all my what would have been my retirement savings on these animals. <laughs> and I said, you know, if I'm going to have no retirement savings, this is the best reason I can think of to not have it. 
<laughs> yeah, so to me, wild. it's 100% worth it. But I'm, I'm very proud of the fact that, you know, we have, we don't have, you know, paid staff. So if someone donates 100% of that donation, less the fees that PayPal takes, there's not, there's not much you can do about that, <laughs> but less the, they do reduce it for the fact we're a charity. So oh, less, charity. less their fee deduction, 100% goes to either the veterinary bills or the food or, you know, cat litter. So, it, yeah, it, nothing goes to, it, even our board, it's 100% volunteer. No one gets any financial compensation. That is so amazing. I mean, somebody who is so empathetic, somebody who is so compassionate. And how do you identify, how do you go to the shelter or do people bring it to you? Bring them to you? It, it's a mix. Um, you know, I, I knew which shelters had the high euthanasia rates and I knew what days they made those decisions. And then in other cases, sometimes I would have a veterinarian call me and say, you know, an owner has brought this dog in and they want it euthanized, but there's no reason to euthanize this dog. And they said, mm -hmm. they'll just take it to a shelter where it will be euthanized if I don't. And so, you know, the, I will come get the animal. So it's, it's a mix. And then I had a cat, um, right towards the end of the pandemic, we were still under lockdown, but it was the final lockdown. I had a pet parent reach out and say, you know, I've, I've lost everything during the pandemic financially. I'm living in my car and I, I need a place for my cat. You know, he's, he's old and he has a heart condition. He probably doesn't have much longer. And I know a shelter will euthanize him. So I took in Boo Boo was his name. <laughs> And he, he was a hospice case, obviously, and, and he was just a delight to have around for the six months that he had left. So, wow. so sometimes they come to us directly. Yeah, I love the fact that you name each and every one of them and you remember everybody's oh, you know, yes. uh, the, the disease, disease or the condition and everybody. Oh, yes. Yeah, you, you never forget them. You never yeah. forget them. Do they, do they actually talk to you? Do, do you actually communicate with them? <laughs> Well, you know, it, it's funny. I uh, we did one time I say, do you also sing to your pets? Because I sing to mine, but mine don't really appreciate it. They don't think I'm a very good singer. Um, I've had some of the dogs start to howl when I sing to them. And some of the cats run, run away. <laughs> but yeah, I have, um, you know, I, I have little songs. I sing to them and I do talk to them. And each one, even the cats know their names and, and come to you know when called by their name so mm -hmm. e even cats can you know people say oh cats don't do that and they can't they 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 can and do and and the the other myth about cats is that they're aloof but the thing i have always found is the cats that are aloof it's because no one is interacting with them oh, and oh. and when when dogs are more like people when you don't interact with them they'll sort of beg you to interact but with a cat if you don't interact and you ignore it the cats will sort of go well fine I'll ignore you too. <laughs> That's the right attitude to have. Uh, so I'm just wondering, so do you also do those cute videos where you're talking to uh, your pet and you put it up on Instagram and YouTube? I, I yeah, I, you know, I really should. It's, it's one of those things with, you know, the time, right. To, 
and I've often said I, I wish I could have a camera crew following me around because there's so many great moments, but there's no one there to capture them. And of course, if I'm trying to hold the phone, I can't do what needs to be done, you know, whether it's the insulin shot. So I have tried, but um, there's not a whole lot on our YouTube channel. I, I do focus a lot on sharing pet care information on our social media and answering questions. Uh, we get a lot of, you know, pet parents, sometimes they DM and sometimes they tweet with questions. You know, I've, I've, I'm have i trying to take care of this feral and it looks like it might have this problem. What do I do? So um, I do try to share a lot of information in a non-video format. I would love some volunteer help with the videos because I think it would be great. And I think it would help engagement with our org. But it just, it's just a matter of I don't, I don't have the third hand to do it and I don't have the time to edit it and, and do all the things to make it look the way you need to make it look on TikTok and, and YouTube, right? You can so. try. You can just try placing the phone at one, um, you know, somewhere and then you just try. If it doesn't work out, you can always delete it. Okay. Okay, yeah. I'll look. I'll definitely look into that. Engagement and uh, yes. people like me, I love watching those videos with those kids yes. singing to the piano and all those. <laughs> They're amazing. They're just amazing. Animals are amazing. We they just are. do not appreciate them enough. I agree. Yes, it's it's you know it it does seem overwhelming at times because when I was little there were so many homeless animals and it doesn't seem like it's changed, you know, despite yeah. spay neuter advocacy, there's still so many cats giving birth and puppies and so many animals being euthanized every day. And, and some days you just think this I'm wasting my time. I'm never going to solve it, but I feel that I have to help what's right in front of me. And I feel like if I could inspire even one other person Absolutely. to do that, it's worth Absolutely. it. Absolutely. You are listening to you talking about what you are doing has already inspired me. Oh. I'm spread the word to so many others. So I'm sure you are. Doing oh, that's it. wonderful. Uh, you also work with wild animals, uh, with the Wildlife Federation. Is that... Uh, yeah, when we uh, acquired the acreage uh, last year, I got it certified by the National Wildlife Federation as a wildlife habitat. And part of that is, you know, agreeing to keep the the acres primarily wooded. And so we just cleared access trails around okay. the perimeter and through so we can get in there, you know. But uh -huh. we um, even when we cleared those, we deliberately took what we cleared and we made nesting areas. And so, you know, there are foxes, there are bunnies, there are groundhogs. I've named one of the groundhogs Bob because he seems to be, um, he seems to want his, he seems to want his picture taken. You know, he, uh, he, you know, when I'm out there and I get out the cameras, the other groundhog, the, the, the two bigger ones run off, but Bob will pose. And so I've named him Bob. Um, we have uh, a flock of wild turkeys. And I had the honor of seeing them uh, bring their babies last, oh. uh, it was probably July, their flock of babies and watching their babies grow. Um, it certainly, it certainly cures you of ever eating turkey. If uh, once you see those babies, you're just like, I can't ever eat that again. That's just no, no way. Um, and so that's really been fascinating to watch the turkeys and their social structure. Uh, of course, so many birds 
all kinds of birds. I, I just can't count the number of birds. We have feeding stations for the birds and water stations for the deer and wildlife. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's about, you know, keeping water out and creating habitats and leaving the wooded environment so that they can continue to thrive. You all have this uh, pet food also that you help um, with distributing and do you require any help there? Do you require people to come and contribute and uh, deliver some kind of, whether it is monetary, of course, every nonprofit needs monetary help, but um, yes. any other resources that you really need on a daily basis? We really need help with the pet food bank. It has been empty now for a couple of months. So when I have had some pet parents reach out, I've taken the money out of my own pocket to buy them food. We really, really need um, pet food bank donations. Um, we ran out of the initial donation we received via Chewy and the HSUS, which you know filled the bank initially um, a couple of months ago. Cat and dog food, you know, we happily accept any brand, any type. Um, it just has to be unopened, obviously, uh, but it can have cosmetic damage to the bag or cosmetic damage to the can. It's, it's fine. Uh, yeah, we, uh, that pet food bank, because there aren't any pet food banks in this area, and it's a very poor area. So there are a lot of people that, um, uh, like one gentleman that came, he also took some of the wood from the trees we'd cleared because he said, you know, it's the only way I have to heat my house. I can't afford to heat it with electricity or gas. Um, so, and he was coming for food for his pet because he, he, he will go without eating himself. Uh, so he was so happy to get, you know, the big bags of dog food and, and the canned dog food. So we help a lot of people like that. We hope, uh, help homeless pet parents. And I have reached out to the local domestic violence shelter to see, you know, if someone comes in with a pet, but it turns out they do not accept pets when someone comes in to the domestic violence shelter. Unfortunately, the pet goes to a shelter. So oh. I'm trying to work with them where if someone comes in with a pet, we come get the pet into our emergency intake room until a foster is found rather than that pet going to shelter where it might get euthanized. Because the statistics show that over 80% of domestic violence victims will not leave the home if there's a pet because they're afraid the person abusing them will kill the pet. So I think it's important to try to maybe establish some sort of program with the domestic violence shelter in that respect to not, you know, since they won't allow the pet there rather than provide food and take the pet temporarily until that person is in a place where they can get their pet back into their new living environment. Mm -hmm. There's so much one can do. There's so much to be done. And yes. uh, it's like, it's just piling up. And uh, I, I think you just have to do what comes every day and what you can bite. That's, that's all. Exactly. Any message yeah, what... you can give uh, to people who are not pet owners, but who would like to help. And also to pet owners who are probably not aware of uh, the requirements of pets. You know, there are some people who just keep a pet for the sake of status, for the sake of companionship. Yes. But they don't yes. really know how to take care of the pet. Yes. One of the things we have on our website are free downloadable pet care checklists. Mm -hmm. So it's free to download. And it's a checklist you can use every day, whether you have a cat or a dog, of what needs to be done. You know, here's what you need to do in the morning. Here's what you need to do in the evening. Um, of course, we also have articles about, you know, what if you have a deaf dog? What if you have a blind dog? What if you have an elderly dog? What to do? So resources like that are available. They're all free. We're never going to charge for that information. Um, I would say for you know people considering adopting a pet, 
if you are not sure, start off by fostering because shelters and rescues always need foster parents. It's a great way to see if you are up for the commitment. Cats need technically less care than dogs, but they still need social interaction and love and playtime. Um, dogs obviously need even more. They need walks, uh, especially younger dogs. People love to get puppies. And then so many puppies get returned to the shelter because people don't understand that a puppy is like a toddler child, you know, that they're running all over, getting into things. And just like a toddler child, you're running after you've got, you know, puppy proof, everything like you child proof, you've got to run after them. You, you know, you turn your head for one minute and there might be a disaster. And so, uh, and then there's also a lot of confusion around potty training, which causes a lot of dogs to return. And so I actually have a whole article on that. Um, you know, when I was growing up, the way my parents taught the dogs to potty train is when we would, you know, take in the stray or, you know, somebody brought us the dog and they'd say, oh, well, they always pee in the house with this. We would just, you know, every half an hour, take them outside on the lawn and just repeat the word potty. Right. And <laughs> until they got to the point where we could say the word potty to them and then it, it would either just lay there or they'd get up and wag their tail, meaning that they needed to go. Uh, but I would also advise pet parents that travel a lot. If you're going to get a pet, then get a pet sitter that's going to come every day. And, you know, a cat doesn't maybe necessarily need a visit every day, but they need a visit every day in terms of socials. You know, you don't just because a cat could go two days without the litter being scooped, which I do not recommend, by the way, I recommend it twice a day, but if you did that, you know, I think it's important to have a person come in and be with that animal so they don't feel abandoned. Cats and dogs both know the routine. They know the schedule. And I watched a special on PBS one time that said, when you don't come home after two or three days, they assume you've been eaten by a predator. <laughs> and it was interesting because uh, in, it was... The, it was the February before the pandemic, I ended up in the ICU for eight days. And oh. it, it was the first time that my rescues didn't see me every day. And thankfully, you know, I had a veterinarian and vet tech who had keys to the house and they came every day while I was there and cared for the because so many of them need so much medical care daily. An ordinary pet sitter can't do it. I got home. Literally, there was a line of cats down one leg and a line of cats down the other, and they pressed themselves against me all evening in the chair and then all evening in the bed and did that for two or three days because I think they thought I'd been eaten by a predator and I wasn't ever coming back. And so now they were going to protect me <laughs> from being attacked by the predators. <laughs> Uh, I should remember that whenever I come back to my two beagles uh, after mm -hmm. I travel, um, that, that's probably the, oh, is she for real or is she a ghost? <laughs> right. Like, well, I guess the predator had her cornered for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. I could go on talking to you, you know, Lauren, but uh, I think we will stop now. And uh, okay. I really want to thank you for uh, sharing your story, for the wonderful work that you are doing. It is amazing being compassionate and especially to animals that require so much of care, not only in terms of love, but also in terms of medical care is not easy. Um, 
Animal Rescue is a vital mission that plays a crucial role in creating a more humane and compassionate world for all living beings. By rescuing animals from neglect, abuse and abandonment, we can give them a second chance at life and provide them with the love and care that they deserve. Every living being deserves love and care. Whether it is through volunteering, our time and resources, adopting a rescued animal, or simply spreading awareness about the importance of animal rescue, we can all contribute to this worthy cause. So thank you, Lauren, for the wonderful work that you are doing. You have many blessings in the form of barks, mews, and all sorts of animal sounds. Thank you. Lovely talking to you. Bye-bye. It was great to talk to you. Bye.